All right. Thank you. Um, I forgot to mention, uh, today is Father's Day, and we are celebrating our fathers today, and you all get to be beneficiaries of uh, celebrating fathers. We have Jeremiah's Italian Ice uh, after church service. I've asked a few of our teens. Not right now. This is not your signal to get up and go. But some of our teens are helping uh, with, the, with setting that up. I will say, uh, Shiloh and Piper, if you could make sure that table is put kind of where we had the coffee, you know, that last time for Mother's Day, kind of out, not against the wall. Awesome. You guys know. I can trust you guys. But this is not your sign to go yet, okay? All right. So they will, I will give them a sign. It's going to be very obvious, uh, but they're going to leave. So they're not going to all, they're not coming forward for the uh, invitation all at once, okay? So just don't get it twisted. But anyway, um, thank you so much for being here this morning. I want to welcome all of our visitors, all of you who are joining us for the first time. Thank you guys so much. Uh, We are kind of in the middle of a series. Calvin preached last week on Colossians 1.15. Today I'm taking a quick break uh, from that series to kind of give you a little bit of an overview of Israel. Uh, I just, if you weren't here at the beginning, I just returned from Israel. Uh, Steve uh, led us on a trip to Israel. Several of us from our church went there and a lot of people from First Baptist Melbourne went there. It was a blast. I cannot recommend it enough to anybody who's ever thought maybe I should go to Israel. You should go to Israel. You really should go to Israel. You should go while you're able to walk and, and be more maybe active. Uh, th- there is some walking and some inclines, some rocky terrain. It's not crazy. When I went over there, I expected to be walking like 20 miles a day. We didn't do that. Uh, but it was still kind of strenuous. But this is your calling now to go to Israel. Okay? It is, I was talking to Denise Carter this morning and Ernie Jones. And they were asking me how it was. And I said, you know, growing up, you see this map your entire life. And it's just a map of places you recognize. Um, but once you go there, it's like going from black and white to like full color 4K. You see everything and it's just different. Uh, I, I know that that's really common for people to say, but man, it was a really big blessing. So I hope to share a little bit of that blessing with you this morning, just a little bit of our experience. But before we get into that, I want you to think of your hometown. Wherever you call your hometown, wherever that might be, not, it might not be the place you were born. Uh, my daughter, forever, her passport will say that she was born in White County, Arkansas. So strange, I feel like that is uh, for her. But that's not her hometown. I hope that maybe she'll see her hometown as this place. Uh, it's not necessarily where you're born, but it's where your roots are kind of established. Uh, I'm from Daytona Beach, Florida, born and bred Daytona Beach, right? I love uh, my hometown. I, I can... Go tell you where the best place to get street tacos. I can tell you the best place to get pizza. I can show you the places where I, shouldn't, I should have gotten a lot more trouble than I did, right? The places where things went a little sideways, where we narrowly escaped death a few times, right? I'm sure that you, when you think of your hometown, if we were to drive in a car together, you could tell those things to me as well. That's the place where that happened. That, and all these significant memories flood into your mind. But hometowns can be very complex, Some of you are thinking right now your hometown is the last place on earth you ever want to go back to, right? I I understand that. Uh, One of my favorite songs of all time is My Hometown by Bruce Springsteen. It's a really, really quiet song, and it's one of my my all-time favorites. And I think he kind of captures this whole complexity of a hometown experience perfectly in the song. He starts out the song by talking about the the lens of a young boy who's, who's on his father's lap driving the car. Right? He's on his father's lap driving around town, 
and his father's pointing out all these things, and he says, this is your hometown. He's showing them all the spots. This is your hometown. This is your hometown. And that same little boy, he grows up, and he's in high school in, in 1965, right in the middle of the civil rights movement, and things are a little bit tenuous, to say the least. And he's looking around, there's violence taking place, and there's more and more violence happening, and he looks around, and there's, there's violence coming to your hometown, to your hometown, to your hometown. And then that same high school boy, he, he grows up, and he's working, and he's looking around him, and the factory job that his father once had is no longer there. The factories that were once a vibrant part of that community are shutting down and there's no more jobs. The jobs are leaving your hometown. Your hometown, your hometown. And, and the main person throughout this entire song, he goes from this boy to this teenager to this adult to finally he's with his wife and his own children. And they're looking at each other saying, maybe it's time for us to leave and go to a different place. Maybe it's time for us to pack up and leave. But at the end of the song, he takes his kid out in the car and drives his kid around in his lap, pointing around, saying, this is your hometown. Right? It kinda, it, to me, it's such a beautiful and sad song at the same time where you grow up and your lens changes throughout your life. You look around and say, oh, this is my hometown. But then you look at the nitty-gritty and there's some, there's some problems with your hometown too. But nevertheless, this is still your hometown. There, there's a beauty, there's a simplicity, there's, there's some sadness there. And I think that, that song kind of caps, encapsulates kind of what I'm getting at this morning, is that there's a complexity to hometowns. There's scars, there's victories, there's all the things in between. Hometowns. This is complex and very, very meaningful. From the beginning, uh, we're, we're welcomed. Uh, when, you, when you go to Israel... You're welcomed by your tour guide. They say, welcome home to you. And when I first heard that, I kind of sort of rolled my eyes a little bit. Because uh, that's maybe a travel thing you, you've heard. You go to certain places and they say, you know, maybe you go to, to Hawaii and they say, aloha, Americans, or, you know, continental Americans. You know, come experience our culture. And you're like, oh, this is, I'm kind of getting into this culture. You go to Costa Rica and you're, and you're welcomed with Pura Vida, Right? And there's different things that different travel agencies they'll do or different people. And you kind of like, all right, this is part of the tourist experience. So when you get to Israel, one of the things they say to you over and over again is welcome home. And again, I was kind of like, okay, this is just a travel thing, I guess. They're just going to keep saying this to me over and over again. And they only said it a few times at the beginning. But for whatever reason, that idea of welcome home stuck in the back of my mind. And I didn't forget about it. Welcome home. As much as I was thinking this isn't my home. I'm miles and miles and hours and hours away from my home. This is definitely not my home. The phrase still stuck in my head. And we went to so many different places, and this idea of welcome home, for whatever reason, just stuck with me. And I want to share a few places with you this morning as we kind of connect with Jesus. And I know that some of you have been to Israel, so these places might be uh, exciting for you to see, but some of you haven't been. And you're saying, this is a sermon that I can check out of. I hope that's not the case. Okay, I hope there's something that you can connect with this morning as we look at these holy sites and this idea of welcome home together. So one of the first places we went to was Capernaum, and this is one of my favorite places that we went to. Uh, these are a few, a few pictures here. This is uh, me and, and Larry, who's over at First Baptist, and, and Steve and our tour guide, Leo. And Capernaum is known as kind of the, the hometown, the home base of Jesus, even though that's not where he was born. He spent 
lot of time in Capernaum. And also, uh, Peter lived in, in Capernaum for a long time. And what's super special about this place is that when you walk these, these passageways, you see all these different old sites, but you're guaranteed that Jesus definitely walked in this place. And there's something very powerful about that. There's something very tangible about walking in these sites. The, the picture, excellent. All right. Um, the picture here on your left uh, is a picture actually of where St. Peter's house is, is, is thought to be. And they've built a church over top of it in this incense, and people worship there every single day. But this is thought to be where St. Peter lived with his mother-in-law. A, lot of, a miracle took place there, right? And on the right is a picture of kind of how the family units and the family houses were constructed. You can't really see here, but oftentimes the family unit would consist of the main family unit in the middle. And then when other families would be kind of added to that family through marriage, they'd build additional rooms on outside of that. So it's almost like, you know, a circle is being built around this middle part. And these family units are constructed. And you see we have, we have Peter's as well. It's this beautiful place. It's right by the Sea of Galilee. You could spend the entire day there. And I'm sure people do. Right? Walking around just knowing that you are actually walking in the footsteps of Jesus. It's, it's an extremely powerful feeling to know that, that Jesus is walking through here, probably having meals here, sharing all these important conversations, important days with his disciples, and people just coming to know Jesus. You could spend hours knowing just that Jesus is or was in this place, living in this place for a certain period of time. Another place that we went to, actually, uh, the, this is probably the, one of the more impactful places for me was Magdala. It's the, that's the modern name of this place, but this is actually the hometown of Mary Magdalene. Uh, really, really special place. Very interesting. They were building a hotel here or something like that, like a modern building in, in the 1900s, in the mid-1900s, it's weird to say that. And they actually had to halt construction because they found a first century synagogue there. It's an average day when you're building in Jerusalem, I guess, is that you find a first century synagogue just underneath wherever you're trying to build. And it's really, really important because uh, this was a, a, a market that was also attached to where the synagogue was. And this town was, was thought to be a very wealthy town because it's on the way to a lot of the places people would go to in order to get to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. So they'd have these salted fish where people would get, could take food on their journey to wherever they were going. And it is said to believe that Mary Magdalene is from this area, and this is where Jesus would have met. The, the, the scripture that we just read, that Emory just read, where he's going back and forth from Nazareth, he's walking through this place. Very, very cool. Meeting Mary Magdalene, kind of just having this, this special connection, this, this extra disciple who's very important to his ministry. Uh, the, one of the women who saw the empty tomb very first, right? This is where the interaction started. It's like ground zero for their relationship. But what's so beautiful about this site is that they have this beautiful church and it's dedicated to all the women of the world, all the women that have done so much for the, for the story of Jesus. And they have these pillars dedicated to Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jesus, all these significant women in the Bible. But then they have this empty pillar too. And, and the, the, um, the priest who was there, he's saying, that's for you. And he's pointing to all the women in the group and saying, that's for you women who are continuing the work of these other women that did in Scripture. And I thought that was such a beautiful sentiment, knowing that the work continues, right? The hometown of Mary Magdalene, very, very significant. And then we went out to the Sea of Galilee. 
beautiful sea. I was actually able to swim in the Sea of Galilee uh, one night. Me and Michelle were on a walk, and I hadn't been able to, to go for a swim yet. There were signs all over that said, don't swim. But then I saw other people swimming, so I thought, if they're swimming, I can swim. It was really fun. I, I, had, a, I had a blast doing that. It's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Uh, but that's us kind of doing our Titanic moment there at the, at the front of the, of the boat. A little bit of a stormy day on the Sea of Galilee, which I thought was kind of perfect, right? There's storms on the Sea of Galilee. Not crazy. I, I said that maybe I should go to sleep underneath the, in, in the bottom of the boat to see what happens. Um, but it's just so interesting to think what took place on this water. And, and, it, and it's just water, right, to, to a lot of people. If you were to look to, to that uh, to the right of where we are, there's actually jet skis all over the place. I was like, man, I want to jet ski the Sea of Galilee so bad. Um, but the day we could have done it was actually a Sabbath day, so I couldn't get out there on the, on the jet ski. Um, but it was so cool to be out there and to think, oh, man, Jesus walking on water, calming the Sea of Galilee, all these things that took place. And, 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 and honestly, all these things happened in just one location. I'm just showing you Galilee right now. That was only two days. We had like six other days where we spent in Jerusalem walking the old city, walking all these different places, and I could go on and on. You don't care about that, I understand. You don't want to see someone else's travel pictures. I get it. I get it. I, I'm, I'm trying to be quick here. But what I'm trying to relate to you is that as much as I'm on information overload at this point, I'm also kind of getting back to this, this, this situation where this welcome home is kind of reverberating in the back of my mind. Something much bigger is at play here. Yes, I'm not Jewish. I'm, I'm just this American guy who's here as a tourist. But this idea of welcome home is kind of reverberating through my mind and, and just through all the different places. My brain finally started to slow down at some point. And I just realized that these aren't just holy sites. So many people from all around the world are coming to these one specific place, these, these several different specific places just to see these holy sites. But the fact is they're not just holy sites. These were somebody's hometown, right? We're talking about the hometown of Peter. We're talking about the hometown of Mary Magdalene. These are people's homes. But the, the, the thing that really trips me up is that they're not just these holy people's homes. They're still people's homes today. It was amazing. We were able to go out at night in Jerusalem and kind of just walk the streets. And uh, we were able to go to the Holy Sepulcher, which is where people believe that's where Jesus was crucified. And me, Steve, and Michelle are walking around and nobody's around and the church is wide open. And we just walked right in. It was amazing. And then about 20 feet away, there's a guy selling ice cream. And there's a guy selling shawarma. And there's a guy selling Reeboks. And there's all these things happening. If you go during the daytime, there's little kids walking home from school. There's kids playing on their bicycles. There's motorcycles going all around. This is a very active city. And we, I stop for a second and say, wait a second. These are not just holy places. They're holy hometowns. People are still living and moving and interacting with these places on a daily basis. Still very, very impactful. It kind of captures the complexity of all this. These holy hometowns were stepping into these stories as outsiders, but this is part of our story as well. As much as we are separated by time and space, by location, yes, I'm an American with an American passport, I'm being welcomed home to this same story that's been happening since the beginning of time. 
We're disconnected by time, location, but this idea of welcome home has been said since the very beginning of time, God welcoming his people home over and over again. We enter into these places and they are part of our stories now. As much as I am separated by the fact that I am not a Jewish Christian, I'm able to walk into the Holy Sepulchre and say, this may or may not be the place where Jesus was crucified, I get it. But I'm able to be somewhere in the location and say, you know what, this is part of my story. This is part of what makes me, me, and this was what part of makes me connected to Christ. But beyond all that, beyond these being holy sites, I think Jesus is doing something even more. Even during his life, he's kind of going through and interacting with these people in flesh and blood, but there's much, much more happening. Okay, and there's one more place I want to share with you, and this, I think, might have been top three for me. is with Caesarea Philippi. Because as much as Jesus is interacting in flesh and blood, talking to you like I'm talking to you right now, this is what kind of contains all that. At Caesarea Philippi, this is actually called a temple of Pan, where being worshipped here. A lot of you can see on the left side of that picture, there's kind of this little cave area. That's where they used to do human sacrifices at one time. Not very, you know, pleasant thing to think about. But if you look beyond that, if you look to the top of that mountain something very significant happened in the life of Jesus in that place. I'm going to read it right here. Once when Jesus was praying in a private place, praying in private, and the disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowd say that I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. It's believed that this conversation took place above these pagan temples. And if you were to walk this walk, it would take two or three days from where we were at the top of the Sea of Galilee to get to Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus walking along this way with his disciples, right? Walking with these people who have flesh and blood, real life stories to tell. And they get to Caesarea Philippi where all these pagans are coming to sacrifice people, to worship these pagan gods. And then Jesus goes above that, beyond that, above all these temples and says, who do you say that I am? You're like all these other people. But then he says, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? Peter said, God's Messiah. And in that moment, everything changes for Jesus. He transcends but does not forget the humanness of the interactions that he has with people. He says, who do you say that I am? And they answer correctly, you are God's Messiah, but he doesn't forget the other aspects. He's going to transcend human flesh, but he's going to do something much greater and not forget about human flesh. Jesus changes the entire story with these words happening in a very significant place for all these pagans. He stands above it and says, I am God's Messiah. Transcending human flesh changes the story, changes the entire trajectory of his place in life and this entire physical world. He begins us into a new hometown. Really, you, you might miss it here, but this is kind of where things change for him in his ministry. Right after this is when Jesus his death over and over again. He says, I'm going to die. And his disciples are, are at some point saying, please don't do that. 
But eventually he goes and he does those things. But it kind of begins with this conversation where he proclaims that he is God's Messiah, changing the, 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 the emphasis on their home on this place, the transition of Jerusalem into a heavenly home one day. Accepting where they are and taking them somewhere else. This new home he's going to be talking about. While also, like I said before, he's taking these things and saying, yes, I am God's Messiah, but he's never putting to shame the fact that he is here with them on earth, flesh and blood, walking these steps with them, having these interactions with them, and caring deeply what happens to them on earth. Both are happening simultaneously. They're heavenly homes at the same time. Jesus shows by his words and actions this invitation home. This invitation to a real home. And these are, these are significant words that you've heard before. But in John 1, beginning in verse 1, he says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made without him nothing that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And beginning in verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. You see here the emphasis, this part right here, I want to emphasize just just really closely here one more time. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. I still hear these words, welcome home. Right? The words that I was met with when I, when I came to Israel, welcome home to this place that you don't belong. Welcome home, Jesus, to the place that you don't really belong. You are God. Why are you coming here? Why are you investing your time and energy in, in doing this for people who are eventually going to kill you? But yet he still says, welcome home. And not only that, but he does it this way. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Ta-da, light came on. Excellent. Not full of angst. Not full of resentment. I could see myself being very resentful as Jesus coming to this place and being scorned and forgotten by his own creation. Right? That would be very, very frustrating. But what we see from this is that Jesus enters into this place that is other than the divine. Right? Other than what heaven is like. And he enters full of grace and truth, welcoming himself to this type of home so that we can be welcomed into his home. That's significant. In order for us to be welcomed home to a place other than what we can be, he first was welcomed home to us, in a place that is not hospitable, to a place that is going to eventually be a very, very uh, a cruel and unusual place for him. He enters this place in order to welcome us home eventually with him. So I have one question that I want you to think about today, and I want you to chew on it the rest of the week as long as you can. Because for me, I was able to meet Jesus in very, very different ways the past 10 days when I was in Israel. I was able to meet him in very physical locations, these holy hometowns, right? Walking the steps of Jesus, physically walking the steps where he carried his cross. Very, very real for me. But the thing is, is that you don't have to go to Israel to meet Jesus in this way. You do not have to go to Israel in order to meet Jesus this way. If you get into the Word and you actually look to the person of Jesus, you'll see that He has been 
with you all along, right? We're going to be teaching a class on Wednesday nights that's kind of around this idea, right? That his flesh and blood humanness is so, so significant to our relationship. He became flesh so that we can become where he is one day, where we can go where he is one day. You can meet Jesus in here. You can meet Jesus in your prayer. But the thing is, is that we're often too busy or we think we're too busy to have these moments where we are meeting Jesus where he is. The fact is that Jesus is with us at all times. We, we recognize that the Spirit is moving with us. But over and over again, I think that he keeps saying, can you just come home? Can you just recognize that I am with you? Can you not just recognize that in this place, in this time of darkness, wherever you might be, I am with you? Can you please just wake up? Thankfully, I was able to wake up during my trip and not think that phrase was just a corny tourist phrase that they say to people coming over to see the Holy Lands. And I was able to wake up and say, you know what? I think Jesus is welcoming me home on this trip. Allow Jesus to welcome you home as well, wherever you might be on your walk. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this time, and I'm so thankful for the opportunity to go to the Holy Lands and see these places. And I recognize that it's not always just exciting to see someone else's travel pictures. Uh, But my prayer this morning is that we are able to kind of share in this experience of being welcomed home by Jesus. That he's offering us a, a time to just be with him. Not to do anything crazy, not to perform miracles, not to preach before 5,000, 10,000 people, not to be doing these truly incredible things that Jesus did, but just to sit at his feet and to be part of his life and and for him to be part of our lives. God, help us to recognize that this invitation to be home, to be welcomed home, is offered every single day. You don't have to go to Israel to be welcomed home into his presence. Help us to recognize that today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if, if the students that I talked to this morning, if they could head that direction to help set up for the Father's Day stuff, if you could head that direction. Um, but as we kind of wind down this morning, I want to uh, offer this also as an invitation for anybody who is saying, you know what, this idea of hometown, of being welcomed home by Jesus is foreign to me. I don't really know Jesus in that way. My prayer is that you're able to see maybe how you can invest more time and energy into recognizing that Jesus is welcoming you with that same greeting. Please come home. You are welcome home at all times. If you have any needs, if you have any physical needs, prayer needs, if you're saying, you know what, I want to be baptized. I want to be welcomed home. I want to be with Jesus forever. This is a great time to respond to that invitation today. Whatever your needs might be, Won't you make them known while we stand and sing?